0: I wonder how many of these students began their musical career sitting on a piano bench, playing the piano with piano lessons. How many of you? Yeah, Uh uh-huh, at least half, a few more. I took piano from Mrs. McGeehee, who was approximately 175 years old. (laughs) I sat in her living room. The piano took up most of the living room, and she would always have me begin the lesson by placing my hands On middle C, my right thumb right there on middle C. And from there, she said we could make music. We could go high, we could go low, sharp, flat, but we would always begin with our hands on middle C. If you get lost in the middle of the piece, you just come back to middle C and then you figure it out from there. This morning's scripture lesson is about a group of people who find themselves lost, not just lost as if. They took a wrong turn, and they're physically lost, but they're also spiritually lost. Moses leads this group of people who follow God out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, but there is about a generation where they wander around lost in the wilderness. Today's scripture comes in that in-between period, that lost phase, The people have no game plan. And so almost a third of the book of Exodus is dedicated towards building up a tabernacle or a portable sanctuary so that they can experience God's presence in this phase of the wilderness. It's tabernacle sounds pretty fancy, but really a tabernacle here is not much more than a tent. It's just a flimsy place where they can gather to find God. You know, when Noah encountered the flood, God said, build an ark and ride out the storm. So God provided a home during the storm. And then when Moses was born, his mother placed him in a basket. And the word basket is the same word in Hebrew as the word ark. And so, again, God provides a way to ride out the storm. And now we have a grown-up Moses leading the people through another type of storm called the wilderness, and God builds for them another safe haven, a tent, a place where they can gather to experience God's presence. And in days past, they would send Moses up on the mountain and Moses would visit with God and then come back down and bring a word but now there's been a shift and they sense that God is present with them all the time that this divine presence of God is not so elusive but is always present with them portable the tent you see it could fold up and it could move along with them wherever they were called to go and so this morning we read a part where they're gathering at the tent They just want to hang out with the divine presence, to be with God. And then when they realize that God is not that distant one way upon the mountain, but among them, they break out into song. They begin to dance. They're worshiping God because they sense that God is with them through the long haul, not just in high moments, but even through this period of spiritual lostness. And Moses says to them when they gather around there at that tent, hey, bring a gift, bring an offering. Let ever who has a generous heart, let those bring a gift. And everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose heart was willing brought a gift to the Lord. They brought it to the tent. When I read these few verses from Exodus, I noticed two things. One is I noticed not everyone came, only those with a generous heart. And second, I noticed that those who came, they were not coerced. They did not come grudgingly to turn in their pledge card because, you know, the tabernacle needs a new sound system or because the air conditioner in the tabernacle is on the fritz, or because more supplies are needed for the Sunday school. They did not come with an offering because God had need. They came because they had need. They were brimming with joy over the delight of God's presence with them. They were so generous because they had experienced God's presence, and they couldn't imagine doing anything else except bringing a gift. And so they came to offer themselves to God. I wonder, when I read that passage, I wonder, how do we become that kind of generous? How do I grow in generosity? How do we as a congregation grow in our own sense of generosity? And how do we pass down that sense of generosity to our children and to our grandchildren? Let me tell you a story. It happened to me, but it's actually our story. It happened on August 7th in the year 2000, and some of you were here and you remember it. I've told this story bunches of times, but it still pervades my heart with a kind of a a holy mystery. I was sitting at my desk early on a Monday morning, exhausted, From a big weekend, I had officiated at five weddings on Saturday and preached three times on Sunday morning. It was late in the summer, and all the other ministers were away. I was mindlessly scrolling through emails when someone came and knocked on my office door. There's someone here to see a minister. Now, if you work at a church, you know exactly what that means. That means that there is someone here who needs help with the light bill or paying the rent or just a few dollars to buy a bus ticket home to Cleveland. And so I didn't hurry. I slowly walked down the hall to meet our guest in the parlor. I always meet this kind of guest in the parlor in case I have any qualms about my own personal safety. He was tall and muscular, wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. His arms were folded and he was leaning against one of the columns there in the parlor how may i help you i asked politely well i need to speak with the minister he spoke with a kind of accent and i realized that his english was rather broken and that i would probably have a difficult time explaining to him that i was the only minister around that day we sat together in the parlor and he opened up the bible that he carried with him He flipped to a passage that said something about how those who are blessed should give not only a tithe, their 10%, but also an over and above offering, an extra gift. He pointed repeatedly to this particular verse and he said, I am convinced. His English was perfect here. I am convinced. I said, yes, I'm also convinced. I agreed with him that those who have been blessed with so much, we too should give not only what we're obliged to give, but we should give even more. And I wondered how much money he was going to ask me for. And I didn't know quite how to explain to him that we don't give out money. He said what folks often say at this moment, that he was from out of town. he was just here for a few days, and I thought, well, he probably needs gas money to fill his car to get to wherever he's going next. And then, instead of asking, he handed me this envelope, and he said, can you give this to the minister? (laughs) Yeah. I felt it. It was thick, not like a letter, but thick, like a cassette tape, and I thought, maybe it's got songs on it, or maybe it's uh, religious tracts, or maybe, maybe it's a bomb. I don't know what's in this envelope, but I said sure, and I watched him go out the front door there by the rotunda. I didn't know if I should open it. I was too afraid to open it, and so I went back to Sandy's office. I knew that there were a group of men who came in every Monday to volunteer in her office, and maybe together we could figure out what to do with the envelope. I said, I'm afraid to open it. Sandy was courageous. She grabbed it out of my hand, she tore it open, and money went flying absolutely all over her desk. It was $16,210 in cash. We looked down on the envelope, and there was his name. We Googled him. He was the third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays, here to play that night against the Royals. He was staying right down there at the Ritz-Carlton and had hopped in a cab and said, hey, take me to the nearest church. Now here's the shocking part of the story. Later that day, I hand-delivered a thank you note to him, apologizing for my inability to be hospitable. And I said, How would you like your tithe and your offering to be used? Would you like to give it to the youth program or the children's program or the missions program or the music program? And you know what he said? Use it for the church. It's for the church. You see, Tony was traveling all across the nation that summer playing baseball, and every time he got paid, he went to the nearest church and he gave them his tithe and his offering, and he wasn't concerned about our ability to make our budget, and he didn't care what brand of theology we preached. Tony wasn't here because God or the church had need. He was here because he had need. He had need to give. He had a generous heart, willing, brimming, stirred up, and he could not be stopped even by a clueless woman minister on a groggy Monday morning. He needed to come to church because here he knew he could always find middle C. Here he could know that God was completely and fully present, not just in the church, but in the world. God is portable deep inside of you and me and every human being on the face of the planet is that exact same spirit of generosity god created us with a deep desire to give when we touch middle c we will not be able to help ourselves from giving it's how we were made